on today's Locked On Texan podcast, what does the future hold for this franchise? Cody, it's Monday. Let's start this show off right, proper. Let's get a kick. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John from Sports Guy Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome into today's episode. Before we talk about the Houston Texans, I want to talk about the Houston Astros. First of all, shout out to the Locked On Astros podcast. Go ahead and check those guys out. Killing it every single day, Monday through Friday. But right now, the Houston Astros are the number one team in the AL West. They lead the Angels by two and a half games. Uh, despite everything, losing Carlos Correa, the allegations that they, they're not going to be able to beat, let's face it, those allegations will forever be uh, in stride with the Astros until they suck again. But <laughs> they haven't been sucking in a very long time. They not, they're not the only bright spot for Houston sports right now, but they are by far the biggest bright spot for Houston sports right now. And uh, to see them being able to crush it, 14 and 6 at home. So whenever you're going out there, if you're in the Houston area, Houston area, excuse me, and you're going to the Minute Maid Park to check those boys out, nine times out of ten, they're getting a dub at home. Hmm. Phenomenal at home. Pretty good on the, on the road as well. I just like seeing this team. They haven't embraced the villain role, but I do think that they are the villain of the MLB. Houston, as, as a whole, is one of those cities where – Football, baseball, basketball, the national media hate this town for some reason. And <laughs> they've been doing a damn good job of saying, screw you. We're going to keep going out there and win games. And so uh, I want to shout out the Houston Astros. But, Cody, this is the Locked on Texan podcast. What do we have on today's show? What are we talking about? Well, today's show, we're going to talk more about Kel McNair, but John, listeners and viewers, I do want to start this Monday installment of Locked On Texans talking about the second year potential of Nico Collins. And it's important because for those of you guys who have been rocking with the podcast over the last, let's say, month or so, we have kind of hinted at what we are expecting from Nico Collins, you know, especially with him going into his second season, you know, he's not going to be this team's number one option in the passing game because that's still going to be Brandon Cooks, but we are expecting him to be the number two option for this organization, at least for this year. And yes, in my opinion, I think there is somewhat of a sense of urgency for Collins to kind of start reaching his potential on the NFL level only because as we all know one of the biggest deals in this year's NFL draft was the fact that the Houston Texans were able to get John Mechie during the second day of the draft and John 
Nico Collins is a guy that I do believe has the potential to be the future of this organization in the passing game, probably more so of being this team's solid second option in terms of the receiver game. But John, when I take a look at what Collins did last year, of course, he only played 14 games and only recorded 446 yards. Um, I'm expecting him to do a lot more this year, mainly giving help to Brandon Cook. So it's not seem like he is the only wide receiver that the Houston Texans have. And I say that because last year, Brandon Cooks recorded over 1,000 receiving yards for what, the sixth time and I think in his eight-year career. And the second wide receiver who came in for the most receiving yards was Collins, of course, with 446. And that was a big gap because in order for Davis Mills to succeed, He's going to need more of his wide receivers, more of his targets to step up. And we have seen Nico Collins showcase some potential time and time again. So going into his second year, John listeners and viewers, what would success for Nico Collins look like in his second season? I'm pretty to actually go out there and record, let's say, about 800 yards, giving this team about seven touchdowns having a yards per reception catch average of let's say 12 to 14 yards and I'm expecting him to take a huge leap in his second season I was out there during the first week of OTAs he looked like a guy who was ready to explode John I don't know if you agree I'm, I don't want to put too much pressure on Collins but I think for him going into his second season, especially with John Mechie, I'm pretty sure the Houston Texans are going to bring him along slowly. Like I just mentioned, the Texans need another wide receiver to take that next leap to at least solidify themselves as the second tier number two option in the passing game behind Brandon Cooks. And he is the guy that really needs to step up. Yeah, I definitely think that Nico Collins is a, is a player on this roster that fans, media, national media, local media, you know, should point to and say, hey, they traded up for you. So, uh, and remember, Houston traded up and, and lost a pick last season for him. So they traded up for you for a reason. I remember going through the draft process. Uh, one of the guys that I'm very close to, he's close to the Houston Texan franchise, he informed me that Houston was really high on Nico Collins last I season. Remember was that. Nick Casario's first year as the Texan general manager. But for Nico, I think it's still plain and simple. I talked about this a little bit last week. The, the targets have to be there, right? We look at some of his games last season where he had some decent targets. Uh, I, I will go to against the Seattle Seahawks had 10 targets. Uh, against the Colts, six targets. Like, he needs those targets. Only notch 50 or more yards three times last season. But he needs the targets. And he needs to be in a system that makes makes sense for him. Listen, last season, that offense didn't make sense for nearly nobody, right? And I think hmm. because you have Brandon Cooks, who's so good, and every season it looks like he is more and more the most underrated, not one of the, but the most underrated receiver in the game, 
where he's able to win one-on-ones and slot, whatever you want to do with him, that, that the offense doesn't necessarily have to be a wide receiver-friendly offense. Um, I think that this year's offense needs to have more fluidity where you don't have to do much to get guys involved. Right. I think that it needs to add some complexity. So defenses are on their heels a little bit. And I think throughout the season, if Houston is able to really solidify themselves in the run game, then the wide receiver should be able to eat off that because now teams are gonna they're gonna have to guess and what, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna run the ball right now? Are you gonna pass the ball right now? I think for Houston being so bad last year, their offense was very predictable. But overall, for Nico, when the ball is in the air, your job is to come down with it. That's simple. He averaged 13.5 yards per catch last year off 33 catches, 464 yards. I think for a rookie year where you missed three games and in offense that was very difficult and stale at times throughout the entire year, that is pretty good. And I've seen people kind of maybe take shots at Nico like he didn't produce. Guys, you got to remember, Tim Kelly was the OC for this team last year. And it was very difficult for everybody to get involved, right? I mean, they signed Chris Conley, Chris Moore, and a bunch of other guys. And how many games did we say, where is this player? <laughs> so, Nico, as a rookie, this is against we're, – we're, we're saying the same thing for guys who's been in the league three to four-plus years. But I think just simply for Nico, they drafted you for your big play ability. And 3.5 – excuse me – yards per catch as a rookie with 33 catches over 450 yards again for an offense that really stunk that is pretty good now for nico continue to be that 13 14 15 yard per catch type of receiver because what that does is immediately it's kind of like mike williams before mike williams broke out and had the season the monster season he had this previous year with the chargers Whenever Mike Williams was able to get the ball, it was predominantly big plays where he was able to go up, snatch and grab, come down with it, and move the chains. I think that's good for Nico. Like, if we can compare any receiver in the league to Nico or what we want to see, I, I know you guys may remember when I said Braylon Edwards last week when I talked about it, but any current receiver in the league, I will look at a Mike Williams. His rookie year in L.A. Uh, only averaged 8.6 yards, but only had 11 catches that year. The following year, 43 catches, 664 yards, but he hovered around 15.4 yards per catch, right? So that's kind of similar to what if we imagine Nico playing the entire year. I think that's what we will see out of Nico. Uh, 48, 48 catches, 764 yards, 15.8 yards per catch in 2020. So listen, if he could just make that 14 to 15 yard per catch leap, then he'll be good in this offense. Yeah, and I also want to add this, John, listeners and viewers. Anytime an offense has a number one and a solid number two receiver, you're looking at an explosive offense for that year. You know, you remember, you know, anytime Will Fuller was healthy, that was the threat of how are you going to contain 
D Hop and Fuller. And as and we all remember, the Atlanta Falcons went into that game a couple of years back thinking they about to double team D Hop and Will Fuller exploded for what? A career of best 200 and something yards. And even when you look outside of Houston, um, another wide receiver duo that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, remember a couple years back, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Those two guys had the Pittsburgh Steelers as one of the best offensive teams in the league. And John, that is important because we are expecting Pep Hamilton to revamp this offense and have a really explosive offensive game in 2022. And tomorrow, by the way, I also want us to look at whether or not Pep Hamilton should just stick to a fast tempo offense for Davis Mills. But in terms of what we are expecting for them, how they're going to move this ball down the field, it is always best when you have a number one wide receiver when close behind a number two wide receiver that on any given day, both of those guys can have in a very explosive game. Plus, by the way, you give Brandon Cooks more help, the better he's going to be and the more his longevity will be for the Houston Texans moving forward. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, boxing fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and much more. Head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends and action at BetOnline because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube as well. You know, sometimes I just like to scroll like I do. <laughs> I may type in we are the Texans hashtag or uh, I am officially back a part of uh, Texan Twitter. And I also, I see the comments all the time. And I keep up with this stuff. But, you know, I think – we do have to talk about Cal McNair. This will be his third year as the CEO of the mm-hmm. franchise. Am I, am I not? Am I correct, Cody? I think so. It's not his third, his fourth. Going into his fourth year, maybe. It may be going into his fourth year. Either, either way, third or fourth year, you know, running the, running the building for the Houston Texans. And he took over in 2019. You guys remember what happened. They lost a 24-0 lead. However, after that season, which was uh, 2020, but however, that was deemed a good season, right? I mean, they did make it to the, you know, semi-conference finals. I'm thinking about basketball. But they did make it against the Chiefs before the AFC conference game. The division around. The division around, right. They put up a, a very good fight at the beginning. Uh, but then from there, everything started to spiral. Cal McNair a few weeks ago, and this was via Cody Davis of the USA Today. You know, Cody's always working. Uh, Cal McNair had this to say. He expressed his feelings uh, that things are looking up. A few weeks ago, he said, it's normal to go through the ups and downs of the business side of sports, but we always had our fans with us. He continued with, 
We had a lot of different things that impacted us at the stadium, but we are excited to get everything back together and going again. Cody, is it fair to say that things are starting to finally look better for the future of this franchise that's been led by Cal McNair? And the reason why I ask that is because, again, shout out to Mark Lane over at the Texan Wire a few months back. They listed several different things that Cal McNair did that they deemed mistakes, one of which <laughs> making Bill O'Brien general manager, allowing Jack Easterby to make personnel decisions, trading DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson in that fiasco, uh, hiring David Culley, and the last one was, which I don't really necessarily want to say, but it, it is a part of the, the article, not hiring Nick Asirio sooner, but that came with a lot of legalities issues mm. that the Houston Texans could not afford again, right? Remember that, those charges. But for Cal, I, I want to say that because of how he's handled things since Nick Casario has gotten here, right? Of course, 4-13 last season, they did hire David Culley. That was a huge mistake. However, he never shied away from the community. He continued to be a part of all the community work that the Houston Texans has traditionally been a part of. And when you look at the real downfall of this franchise, yes, the biggest is probably to this day or 1A making Bill O'Brien the general manager. However, the quarterback of this franchise did quit on this franchise. Regardless of what was going on behind the scenes, it was deemed unrepairable. I understand. But Deshaun Watson does play a huge role in why they are in the situation they're in right now. But for Cal McNair, we haven't heard anything negative about him in the last couple of months. He's been uh, very positive in the, in, the, in the press and the media. Like I said, he's continuously working with the community, doing community service, all the community events that the Houston Texans have set up. And I think that because of his hirings of Nick Casario and letting that year kind of pass by, be trash how they were trash last year, but now in a position where the cap is looking better, uh, the, the roster is looking better, now they can really start repaying their relationship with the fans. I don't think we're going to see too many $20 tickets in a, hmm. for NRG home games. I don't think we're going to see too many. Um, why do we have this many visitors beating the home game type of field like we had last year where it seemed like visitors were outnumbering the home team in mm -hmm. the NRG stadium? I don't think we're going to have that. I think that because uh, what my boy Jay-Z says, less is more. He said less. He's done less. But what he, the less that he's done was the right decisions. And he's been able to step back and let the football operations and everything else kind of run itself. Do we give credit for him or, or are we just going to say, you're doing the right thing? Why are we giving credit to you because you're doing the right job? You're supposed to make those grades. I don't got to give you no, no money because you made those grades. You're supposed to make those good grades. But that's only because for the first time since 2019, the Houston Texans have some type of promise and they're actually looked in as good light because for the first time since 2019 by the way which is the first year he was taking over as the ceo of the houston texans the owner of the houston texans it's just been nothing but a, a, a crap show ever since then and look i understand 2020 uh, i mean expectation was kind of modest but even then because you know you still had Deshaun watson we was expecting will fuller to take that step as this team's number one um, wide receiver 
because that was the first year of them trading DeAndre Hopkins, there was still like, a, okay, what's about to go on off of 16 and Kirby? Because ever since they blew that big lead in the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs, we all was looking like, okay, something is stirring and it does not smell good. However, with all that being said, just take a look at everything that has transpired since the end of the 2021 season. You got David Cully up out of here, and I don't care what nobody said. I don't like to hold that against anybody in, inside the organization. Yes, I understand it was their idea to hire him, but at the end of the day, it did not matter who they hired. The Houston Texans were going to be a crap show in 2021, given all of the foolishness that was going on off and on the field inside 610 and Kirby. Two, and most importantly, you have a real football coach. And it seems like ever since Nick Asirio, Cal McNair, and even Jack Easterby because he's still making decisions as well. Ever since they made the decision to hire that man as head coach, it basically revamped and reshaped the whole entire image of this organization. Plus, you also got to consider the promise of the 2021 draft class, the, the damn good promise of the 2022 draft class, and the fact that they actually, that he is actually taking a step back and letting football-minded guys, as in Nick Casario, Lovey Smith, and Pep Hamilton, and whoever, whoever else that's working alongside those three big-headed monsters are actually football-minded guys who are making decisions for this organization. Because say what you want, John, listeners and viewers. Nick Casario and Lovey Smith knew what they were doing, making majority of their 2022 draft class coming from the SEC. And you're talking about the top-of-the-tier talent in college football. That is what we are seeing. Because prior to that, it seems like it seems like Kel McNair was just making decisions because he didn't know what to do. And the biggest, I don't want to call it a mistake, but we just got to go back to the head coaching hire, head, hiring heading into the 2021 season where he promised Deshaun Watson that he was going to have a say-so on who the Houston Texans hire, who the Houston Texans would interview. Remember that big old gigantic um committee that he had with members from the San Antonio Spurs? Um, Who, who else was it? I think Andre Johnson was a part of that, that committee. You know, it seems like they was going to get it right. But he went off the deep end and ended up hiring Nick Casario. Now, of course, that hiring ended up being good for the Houston Texans. But in the midst of all that, you end up hiring David Cully. But I say all that just to say, for the first time ever, it seems like Cal McNair has the right people in charge of leading this organization. Because after he took over, after his dad passed away, it seems like this Houston Texans team was just being led by a, a bunch of men who did not know what they were doing. Because there is no way in hell you fire your capologist knowing at some point you was going to have to pay Deshaun Watson. At some point you was going to have to give DeAndre Hopkins a, a pay raise. If you kept your capologist, you could have gotten that deal with D-Hop ready. And, and look, I don't want to keep harping on those mistakes because, look, let bygones be God bygones. This organization is moving in the, in the right direction. But... Like I just mentioned, John, listeners and viewers, for the first time since this man has taken over as owner, as CEO of the Houston Texans, he actually has the right guys in charge. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen today. Make your second listen to Locked On NFL Podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders 
keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. Follow Locked On NFL every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday installment of Locked On Texans. Um, John, listeners and viewers, before we go, just want to have a quick conversation. The NFL is coming close to completing their investigation on the off-field legal issues that Deshaun Watson has going on. And we are all expecting at some point, whether that be today, whether that be tomorrow, next month, during training camp. But prior to the 2022 season, the NFL will come to an agreement, will announce whether or not they're going to suspend Deshaun Watson. And I'm hearing that a suspension can range anywhere from half a season or the entire season of the 2022 campaign. With that being said, John, listeners and viewers, and yes, I understand what he has going on off the field is completely a lot more important than whether or not he suits up on December 4th when the Cleveland Browns take on the Houston Texans inside NRG Stadium. But will it be somewhat of a disappointment if come December 4th, Deshaun Watson isn't suiting up and playing against the Houston Texans once again inside NRG Stadium? Because once again, John, listeners and viewers, this is shaping out to be the most no. anticipated game in franchise history. And if he's no. not there, that's going to – No. It's, it's, no. it's going to no. hurt. No, what? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not going to hurt. And, and I'm going to keep this short and sweet. What matters more, a possible revenge game or if he's suspended and not playing on December 4th – shout out to Jay-Z. But if he's not playing on December 4th, that means he's not playing the entire year. So what's more important, a possible screw you for leaving us the Sun game, or if he's not playing at that point, that means the Browns have more of a chance of not being a good team next season, and that gives the Houston Texans a higher pick. Like, we've complained for years. We don't have a first-round pick. We don't have a top top 10 pick. We don't have – okay, well, there's a possibility – that Houston could have two next year like they had two this year with top 15, what matters more? And, and that's my thing. Look, if he plays, that would be great. It would be a great story. He'll be he'll have to come back here and answer questions, which I'm sure he's going to plead the fifth on. He's not going to answer. He's going to say, oh, let's take the football questions. Deshaun is going to avoid all of that. But if he doesn't play, am I going to be like, oh, man, shoot, we could have thrown Deshaun Watson, possibly whoop our ass. No, what matters the most <laughs> is that pick. And if he's not playing on that date, the chances are him playing the entire year pretty high. That gives Houston a better pick next year. I don't know. I think you'll probably have more fans wanting to get they're that revenge smart. game against Deshaun Watson. They, it doesn't matter if they're smart. I mean, and and listen, no, but here's the thing about revenge games. You have to root for the team that you have – uh, uh, like you really believe without a shadow of a doubt they have an opportunity to really beat this team i mean well depending on how these development and things shape out i mean the texans might be in a better they're in a better situation to compete this is i'm not expecting no revenge game like lebron against cleveland about 12 years ago and he just what he did drop 40 on them that first game cleveland was in shambles they didn't even have Kyrie then that's a revenge game 
the amnesty that Kobe that was a revenge game to Mark Cuban. Like <laughs> those are games where you know no matter what happens, if something breaks down, I got greatness that can take over. We don't have that, or we haven't seen that out of the Texans right now. So it wouldn't be a revenge game for the Texans. I don't know. Be a, <sighs> it'll be, no, I'm going to tell you what it'll be. It'll be, it'll be for the fans that want to give these out to Deshaun Watson and his camp. <laughs> you left away, us. Please. You left <laughs> us. We hate you. We, that, that's what that'll be. It won't be a revenge. It'll be one of those shouting matches and possibly things thrown on the field. But what matters more? Your emotions or a hot draft pick? This is a business. A hot draft pick. And Cody, you, you are letting your emotions speak for you. I am not letting fine. my emotions speak for me. That's because fine. I just know that if it comes out, he suspended the entire season, that game inside NRG Stadium is going to lose a lot of value. No, it shouldn't because the value should be. And by the way, top, by the top, way, top even if Deshaun Watson the isn't value. playing, the Cleveland Browns are still a good enough team to make the playoffs because they have a lot more That's talent. The That's the okay. They had the talent last year to make the playoffs and gave us a number 11, 13 overall pick. Excuse me. The value is the. Pick, I don't know. I think the talent might be better emotions. this year. Not your emotions. Not not that you're in your feelings. No. That's not the value. And this is for the smarter fans. Like, come on, fans, think about it. This ain't this ain't Randy Moss torching the Dallas Cowboys because they passed on him. This is hopefully things will turn out this way. And what if they can back? No. It doesn't matter. You should be more excited to play that. As a matter of fact, no. You should be more excited and want to go to that game because if he's not on that roster, that gives the Houston Texans a better chance of beating that team. And if they lose, we win. Well, we, we shall see. Listeners in the comment section, tweet at us or whatever, because clearly me and John are not seeing eye to eye on this situation. Let us know whether or not you will feel disappointed if come December 4th, Deshaun Watson is suspended the whole entire season and he's not playing. I think a lot, I think you will have a lot more people disappointed because that game is not going to have that much value and it's not going to be as anticipated. It's not. And by the way, who knows well, when the next time he's going to have an opportunity to play against the Texans inside NRG Stadium. The AFC playoffs. Book it. And I'm one of those smarter fans. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to the Locked On Texan Podcast on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. And follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman. I need to go ahead and change my my, my, my name to not an emotional. Uh, I don't know. I, I Come on. Go ahead, Cody. Let's close them out right. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. John, really quick, you started off the show giving kudos to the Houston Astros. I want to give kudos to the Houston Sabercats, Houston's professional rugby team, because on last Friday, they clinched their first ever playoff berth. That's right. You have a, 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 a Houston team that's actually going to be competing for the championship. 
championship. And by the way, if you want to see the Houston Sabercats in action, they're going to close out their regular season game on Friday at Aviva Stadium. Kickoff is at 8 p.m. And guys, we have another good team in the city of Houston outside the Houston Astros. And that's really important because this team... That other team that play inside of Toyota Center, oh, it might be a long time before we have playoffs and those two teams in the same sentence. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.